see. Our scripture lesson today uh, in the second Sunday after Epiphany is this text from 1 Samuel chapter 3. And the title of the sermon is called Unexpected Calls. Unexpected Calls. Uh, What percentage of the phone calls that you receive in the average week, in an average week, are unwanted phone calls? Do you have any idea, like, how many of those calls you get during the average week? Um, Well, a research firm just decided to get some data on that specific question. And what they discovered is that for the average person in the average week, 54% of the time when our telephone rings... It is from someone that we really don't want to hear from, someone that we don't want to talk to. And in fact, they also discovered that if you are over the age of 50, you get more phone calls than the average American unwanted. So yes, there's something else I now get to look forward to since I've reached the big 5-0. These are unwanted phone calls. They're scams. They're spam. They're robocalls. They're telemarketing. And you can do all of the things that they tell you to do, and it seems like somehow they still sneak through and make their way up onto your phone screen in any given week. It is just so annoying. And I keep thinking, well, why in the world do they do this? Because surely nobody else is stupid enough, dumb enough to fall for the scams that they are selling and advertising in these phone calls. And yet this same research company found that on average, about 10% of the phone calls that they make uh, do end up Uh, creating an opportunity for some people to be scammed and that there's enough money made in that 10% of the time that that's why they keep doing it. And you think that only dumb people get caught by this? No, they've gotten so good at what they say and how they present themselves that even the smartest among us can fall prey. I have a great friend of mine who uh, owns his own company, very successful and, and always busy. And one day he received a phone call. He answered it and they told him that he had been summoned to jury duty and had not shown up. And because he had not shown up for jury duty, that he was actually, there was a warrant out for his arrest. And that they were about to come to his company and take him into jail uh, as a result of not responding to his jury duty. And the only way that he could get out of the embarrassment was if he paid the court costs associated with that. And they would gladly take that cost over the phone. Here's a busy man in the midst of a busy project who didn't want the embarrassment of somebody coming to his office to take him off to jail. And he gave him his credit card number and he got scammed. I bet all of us know something about these kinds of calls. There are calls that we get every single day that are unwanted and not all of them are on the telephone. I mean, you may be planning to go home and watch the NFL playoffs. And on the way this morning, you got a call from your spouse saying, Hey, I thought we'd spend the afternoon watching the Bridgerton series on Netflix. Or, or, or maybe you had just hit that rim cycle of sleep and that new puppy you got decides that he has to go out to the bathroom. 
Or maybe you thought you had this weekend free, everything, nothing on your calendar. You were just going to relax and all of a sudden your kids come home and they brought half the neighborhood for a slumber party. These are unwanted calls. Now, I don't know if Samuel's call was unwanted, but I do think that it was unexpected. And before we get into the call that was the subject of our text this morning, I thought maybe it might be helpful to have a little bit of background information about what's going on. Samuel's mother was a woman by the name of Hannah. She had wanted a child uh, for uh, her entire life and was unable to produce children of her own. Uh, she knew that she couldn't give birth, have children because her husband was also married to another woman and they were having no issues having children. And so she was very depressed about this. She was very sad. And so she spent a lot of time crying and she spent a lot of time praying to God that maybe she would have a child. I suspect that there are those in this room or within the sound of my voice that have had that same kind of prayer. You've wanted children so desperately. You've prayed for them. You've cried for them. And, and, and maybe, you, maybe you got them like uh, Hannah does in our scripture this morning. Or, or maybe you didn't. This, this text always gives my heart pause because I know that there are those who prayed and cried just as fervently as Hannah did for a baby and the baby did not come. I know that there, when I was going through my cancer diagnosis, there were all of us were praying for, for a cure to our cancer and not all of us got it. It is a, it is a tough, tough thing to read a scripture like this when your prayers weren't answered in the way that Hannah's were answered. And yet in the text this morning, it says that God did hear Hannah's cries and God did hear Hannah's prayers. She used to go to the temple every all the time and pray for this and cry for this. And and she was such an emotional basket case when she was in the temple that the priest that was presiding over the temple, a man by the name of Eli, thought the woman was drunk. And he even said to her, you know, you really should stop drinking. And she said, I'm not drunk. I just really want a child. I'm praying and I'm crying for a child. And we're told that God heard her cries and that God heard her prayers. Hannah was so bold in her prayers, she said that if God, you will give me a, a boy, a, a male child, that I promise I will give that child back to you so that that child could live his life in service to you and, and in service of the temple. And so that's what happened. God gave Hannah a son and she named that son Samuel, which literally means I asked the Lord for him. So she named her son because she had so fervently asked God for this son. And the text says that when Samuel had been weaned, that she took him to the temple and there she offered him to the Lord to serve him. And so that's where we get to uh, our scripture lesson this morning. Samuel is at the temple and he is serving alongside and helping Eli. Now, Eli, this prophet, had a couple of sons of his own. They were despicable 
children. Uh, they had, were supposed they were helping him in the temple with some of his temple responsibilities. And one of the things you were supposed to do is when people brought sacrifices to make to God, the best part of those animals were supposed to be sacrificed to God. But Samuel's uh, Eli's sons were not doing that. They were saving the best part of the animal for themselves, for them to eat and enjoy. And then they were offering what was left to God as a sacrifice. We're also told that Eli's sons were involved in some inappropriate relationships with women, taking advantage of their power as representatives of God and, and ambassadors of the temple. And God was very, very upset. With them. Meanwhile, this boy Samuel, who was offered by his mother Hannah in service of the Lord, continued to grow up and, and, and impress God more and more and more, and also impress the people of God more. Well, one night Samuel is asleep, and all of a sudden he hears a voice. Now, Samuel doesn't recognize the voice as God's. The scripture actually says that the words of the Lord were rare in those days, that visions were rare. Uh, Isn't it amazing that Samuel actually spent every day of his life in the temple and yet didn't even expect God to speak to them because he'd never heard God speak to him. He wouldn't recognize God's voice if it came because the word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, some of you may be showing up at St. Mark's saying, I, word of the Lord seems rare around here. I wish Tommy would finally preach a good sermon one day where God would actually speak. So maybe this resonates with you. But when the voice comes, Samuel gets up and he thinks it's Eli. And so he runs into the room. He's probably been called by Eli before in the middle of the night to come help him do something. Maybe get to the restroom. Eli is old. His eyesight is fading. This has probably been a common occurrence. And so he goes into Eli's chambers and he says, I'm here, Lord. What, what can I help you with? And Eli said, well, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. And so Samuel goes back to bed. He goes to sleep again, and then all of a sudden he hears the voice again, Samuel, Samuel. He thinks it's Eli. He runs back to Eli. Eli may have thought it was cute the first time, but I'm guessing the second time after the dog wakes, I mean, the second time after uh, Samuel wakes you up, it's not so cute anymore. And Samuel again says, here I am. What do you need? And and Eli said, "I, I didn't call you. Go back and go to sleep. Now, it happens a third time. You've got to think as Samuel is going back to Eli for that third time, he's like, okay, I know Eli's really going to be mad now. He is, going, he is through with me waking him up in the middle of the night. But when he gets back to Eli a third time, Eli doesn't appear to be mad at all. Instead, Eli begins to perceive that the voice that Samuel is hearing is, in fact, the voice of the Lord. And so he says to Samuel, I want you to go back to sleep again. And when you hear that voice, I want you to, instead of coming to me, say to God, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And so that's what Samuel does. He goes back to sleep. The voice calls him again. He says, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then God reveals something to Samuel 
When God calls to Samuel, he tells him what's going to happen. And it's it's a it's a consequence to the way that Eli's children and Eli uh, have been living. It's a consequence because Eli didn't correct his children. He didn't stop them from doing what they'd been doing, uh, desecrating the, sacram- the, the sacrifices being offered to God and taking advantage of women. And then Samuel ends up having to share that prophecy with Eli. And that's the kind of phone call that's tough to get, right? When you have to share bad news with somebody else. For our purposes this morning, I think there are three things that we can get uh, out of this text that might be helpful for us. And the first thing is that be, we, should, we all need to be prepared for the Lord to call us. It may not happen when you expect it. It may not happen where you expect. Uh, lucky for you, just like Samuel, it might happen while you're asleep in church. You know, God could just speak to you right during the middle of one of your slumbers, during one of my sermons, and, and you say, oh, oh, Jim, was that you? Uh, no, go back to sleep. <laughs> it, it, it could happen in a moment where you... You don't expect it. It could happen in a way that you don't expect it. Be prepared for God to call you. Do you know where the great reformer Martin Luther first felt the call of God upon his life? In the bathroom. No joke. Do you know where John Wesley, the the father of the Methodist movement, what became the United Methodist Church, do you know where he experienced a, a, a firm call upon his life? It was while he was listening to the man who got called by God in a bathroom's letter about the book of Romans. Martin Luther wrote a book about, a theology book about the book of Romans after he got called by God in a bathroom. And John Wesley was listening to that book when he felt God call him. I've read that book. I woke up in a pool of drool after reading that book. But that's where God called John Wesley. God can call us in lots of different ways, in lots of different places. We need to be prepared for God's call because it may not come the way you and I expect God's call to come. The second thing that I think that we can learn from this story today is that it is difficult for us to grasp the significance of God's call all by ourselves. Samuel, when the voice began to call him, didn't even recognize it as the voice of God, didn't attribute it to being God. He thought it was Eli. And it was only after he went to Eli and Eli... uh, offered him some wisdom from his own life experience about how he had encountered God, that Samuel began to discern that this really was God calling him. It is so important and and so underestimated at times, I think, the importance of Christian community. Uh, It is so significant when we have people in our lives who will help us to understand when God might be calling us. Uh, To Nancy's point in the sermon today, God might speak to you through music. God might speak to you through a friend. God might speak to you through a book. Uh, But you need to share that that sense of of wonder with someone else and let them help you to make sense of that. 
And then the final thing that I would lift up from the Scripture lesson this morning is that we need to stay open to what God is doing. And when God calls, we need to listen and we need to respond. You know that um, study that I began the sermon talking to you about today? It says that uh, people answer 75% less calls today than they used to because of all the spam and the scam and the telemarketing calls. Whenever the phone rings now, we immediately silence it. We immediately don't accept it. That may be fine with robocalls. I'm all for signing up for the Do Not Call registry, downloading an app that would help you to avoid unwanted calls. But when God calls, we need to listen. We need to take it. We need to say, Speak, Lord, for Your servant is listening.